Welcome to Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. We're glad you've joined us. I want to ask you a question this evening. Have you ever been swindled? Okay, hoodwinked. Have you ever been deceived? Anybody? Like uh, maybe, you know, a good used car salesman, right? Like there's some of us, we've gone through those moments. Uh, I've I've recently kind of been swindled, uh, to say the least. I bought a golf cart. Um, And I know what you're thinking, Pastor Blake, you're a little young for a golf cart, but this one runs 30 miles per hour. Like it's fast. I mean, I feel cool, Babcock Ranch, here I come. But here's the thing, it's been in the shop for like about three months now. So my wife is giving me grief. She says, Blake, it's been in the shop more than we've actually owned it. I'm like, I simply have to come to this conclusion. I bought a lemon, and so we're getting it fixed. I was deceived by the person I bought it from. Hopefully, you're watching right now. <laughs> Call me. Number at the law, you know. But there's been, issues, there's been times in our faith journey where we can be deceived. And I want to talk to you about that. We're going to continue our discussion in the book of Colossians. Uh, we are in this series called Clarity, a look at Colossians. The Apostle Paul, he is writing to a group of believers that is actually in a very small rural town. It's not even probably the size of Alva. That's how small this town is. So Paul, at this point in his life, he's been on three missionary journeys. He's in prison. They use words of in scripture that he is lightly chained. In other words, he was under 24-7 prison guard. A Roman soldier, whenever Nero would call on him and they couldn't get Paul quick enough to him within 24 hours, then that Roman soldier could potentially lose his life. So this is where we find Paul, and he takes the time and he writes to a community in Colossae, this this small town. And we look back through history and we can see some of these uh, historians, they they say this town probably isn't that big. At one point, it was a large up-and-coming center, but the trade route took people north. So it became this big city into a small, small kind of quaint town. So we have to ask ourselves, why would Paul take time and write to these people? Well, Paul always was known as an occasional writer. He didn't write on just an occasion, but he wrote in an occasion to address an issue. And here he is writing on deception. And I want to talk to you about this idea. Deception is eliminated when you're part of a Jesus-centered community. That you will be completely deceived If you do not be a part and join into a church. So Paul's addressing this group because they are having some big picture things at the forefront. So on one side you have these Jewish people of this small city of Colossae. They are imposing that you have to live ritualistically. You have to be this legalistic of mentality. They added to the gospel. They added certain methods and ways to know God. Okay, so Paul's saying, no, 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 it's Jesus only. Jesus, remember at the very beginning, we kick off chapter one, that Jesus is the superior, the ultimate, the supreme being, that he is part of creation, he keeps creation together, and he's at the end of the story as well when he reconciles the earth. And then Paul continues to go on and he talks about this Roman and Greek imposition on this community of Colossae. So he talks about them and he says, it's not this mysticism, it's not Roman gods, it's not Greek gods, it's Jesus only. It's Jesus is the way to the heavenly father. 
So Paul's addressing this, and these people are confused, but this is a big picture concept that he is uh, looking at and telling people about. So he takes the time and he writes on behalf of his friend Epaphras, we see this in chapter one, verse seven, and as Paul writes on behalf to his colleague, it basically goes into this region, which is modern day Turkey, from a small town in, uh, up north, in a, uh, or a small town north and a small town south. So he writes it and it spreads all over this region. And today I wanna to talk to you about, uh, I wanna look at Colossians chapter two, verses one through five. And see, this is where we have to really dive in and, and look and understand scripture. That's why we have prayer and worship to really take a deep dive at what the word is saying to us. And particularly when it comes to staying connected as a community. I was out west with some colleagues and I had this interesting conversation with a lady that I've known for some time with some fellow pastors. And as I sit there and we talk to her, uh, it was interesting. Uh, a lot of what you see happening in culture doesn't start, okay, doesn't start with Jesus at the beginning, at the start, at, at the first stepping stone. Meaning that if you see a lot of Christians, it's inundating the church, you see what's happening in culture, is what people are doing and where the theology kind of gets mixed up and broken up is they're beginning with their political beliefs, they're beginning with maybe their views on certain rights people have or their social agendas, and then they shape Jesus to that. It's backwards thinking. And that's what Paul is really addressing. It's really about starting with Jesus, the supreme being, the ultimate creator, the man who died on the cross for each and every one of us, and then we shape everything around that. So it's interesting, you see these conversations taking place in the church where people are like, hey, I want to know about Jesus, but does Jesus measure my agenda? See, Paul in chapter one is very clear that it starts with Jesus, ends with Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And to continue to make it all about Jesus, you have to be connected in a community. So Colossians chapter two, verses one and five, we're looking at five verses this evening. He writes this, I want you to know how much I have agonized for you and the church of Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. Now remember, Paul never started this church. He has never met these people personally. He doesn't know their names, but he knows it's a community in need that's being approached by a very big influence of what to believe of deception or these smooth, eloquent speakers per se. It's like these guys coming in and they're, they're, they're talking, they look the part, they talk the part, but then they kind of subtly chime in some very interesting viewpoints. See, a lot of times as followers of Jesus, it's not the person standing on the box, standing in the middle of the road, yelling their opinion that's gonna maybe uh, shape our views. It's not that person, it's the person that we have daily and do daily life with. That's why I'm a big believer in this. If you have kids, if you want kids, if you're uh, raising children, you need to be actively involved in their education. Public school, private school, wherever I've seen it all. You've probably seen it all. Where you have to know what's being said because it's not necessarily the, the big news outlet where you're gonna be swindled or maybe deceived, but it's the everyday conversation of someone who might have a little bit, plant a little seed here, 
plant a little opinion here. And that's what Paul's talking about right here. And he says he's suffering or he's agonized. He's agonized because he's concerned about what's taking place in the church, that he's hoping that they stay together. So in verse two, he continues, I want them, and this is the emphasis of tonight, these next two verses, I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. In him lie hidden all the treasures and wisdom and knowledge. And I think a lot of times we in our humanity get hung up of not knowing the complete story, not seeing the biggest picture. When Paul is just saying, it's not about knowing all the answers, it's about knowing Jesus. Again, going back to what we talked about when Paul wrote his very first poem in chapter one of this, to this church, he says, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Verse four, it continues, I am telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. That's what's being imposed in the church. These smooth talkers coming alongside and say, have you really ever thought about this? So Paul is saying, he continues in verse five, for though I am far away from you, my heart is with you and I rejoice that you are living as you should. And in other words, you are living in community. You are living in a church family and that your faith in Christ is strong. In Christ is strong. I always find it fascinating as someone who's been raised in the church, someone who has friends that have maybe stepped away from the church, some individuals and conversations that I've had when People sit there and they're struggling with their faith, but yet they don't actively attend a church. See, we here at Faith believe this. Like, maybe this church doesn't meet all what you're looking for, but we believe in being connected in a church, in a faith community. So if it's not here, we pray it's somewhere local, we pray it's somewhere around where you can engage in community because it's community that keeps you together. It's community that makes you strong, that can eliminate deception. So number one tonight for us, three ways we participate in a Jesus-centered community is this. Number one, we encourage. We encourage. See, church isn't just showing up, raising our hands, singing some songs, walking out the door. Church is a body, a community of encouragement. We should be encouraging to one another. One of the gravest things that I've seen lately is, well, I didn't get much of it for myself or what's in it for me? Ever heard that statement? I didn't really like that. Oh, you know, Pastor Steph, could you play this song? That speaks to my heart. You know, I'm always like, I'm trying to coach him, man. Let me sing. Let me get involved on the worship team so I can sing my songs. He's always like, Pastor Blake, you stick to preaching. So wherever these, we have these moments, we have this mentality, what can happen is we think church is for us. But oftentimes when it comes to in a community of encouragement is you show up here tonight or here on Sundays, oftentimes not for yourself, but for someone else. So I want us to capture that. Like whenever someone sees you living your life and they're like, man, they are consistent there at church, that's encouragement. 
Whenever you're in church and whenever you're in community, when you're encouraging one another, I'll be, I'll be honest with you in my heart and, and sometimes I, I, I get a, a little shaken up. We have young kids, we're going through that, I hope our kids are making friends stage. Like hopefully they're doing well. Sometimes we, as parents, we invite friends to a birthday party or a family to connect. And I'm like, man, I hope they show up. Hopefully they like our kids. And sometimes when they, and when they do show up, it's such an encouragement. The presence of you being here, the presence of families, of people, of friends, connecting is an encouragement. A lot of times we think that, hey, this is encouragement. Let me just say some raw, raw, hey, you'll do it better next time. A lot of times that's not encouragement to anyone in the room. I mean, words of affirmation are important, but sometimes it's presence. Sometimes it's showing up and saying, hey, you'll do better next time. Hey, I'm with you. Hey, you made a mistake, but we're standing with you. Maybe it's showing up for front row or, or maybe it's saying, I'm gonna serve. You're showing encouragement to leadership. You're showing encouragement to maybe what is happening throughout everyday life of the church. See, Paul says, you are doing what you should. You are encouraging one another. You are lifting one another up. 1 Thessalonians 5, 9 through 11, the apostle Paul, he says this, for God chose to save us through our Lord Jesus Christ, not to pour out his anger on us. Christ died for us so that whether we are dead or alive, when he returns, he can live with him. We can live with him forever. And then verse 11, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you already are doing. Encourage, it's to inspire confidence. It's to give hope. It's to give courage to someone. You never know what someone might be facing when they leave this place on a night or on a Sunday morning. And maybe them having a conversation with you in one of those opportune times, you've drastically shifted their life and their perspective. We need to live in a community of encouragement. That's how we participate. How are you encouraging? I was uh, uh, in a part of a minister's meeting in, uh, this past week with our pastoral team and we listened to this man speak and he talked about encouragement. We need to look at how we encourage one another because you never know when we are living the 160 some hours outside of the week what someone might be going through. So church isn't just raw, raw. Church is saying encouragement, presence, showing up, showing someone how to follow Jesus. Encouragement. Another way we participate in a Jesus-centered community is we stay knit together by love. Paul says, and knit together by strong ties of love. This, this culture that Paul is addressing right now, there's a lot that's at stake. There's a lot that's shaking right there. But this community stays together through love. I remember a few weeks ago, Pastor Goss, he was speaking, and he says this. It's very easy, and I, and I love it because it made me really think in my, in my seat when I was listening. He says, it's really easy to love strangers outside these walls. Maybe you see them for one, maybe twice. That's easy. But it can be very challenging to live with people that you see daily, right? If you're married, you can understand that, right? It can be very challenging, but you know what conquers? You know what keeps that united? Love. You'll look past someone's faults. You'll look past a hurt. You'll look past a hangup. You'll look past what might be taking place because you are loving that community. A church should be known by its love. See, when 
Paul is talking right here is talking about these ligaments that hold the body together. It's love. It means that someone might do you wrong or someone might say something ill about you or maybe someone looks at you funny or maybe the coffee was a little burnt and rather than you getting mad and saying, I'm going to another place to get my own coffee, you're like, hey, you know what? Maybe I can serve or maybe they'll do better next time. It's this idea of love. Even we see this. We see in John 13, 35, Uh, Jesus is speaking, he says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Some of the greatest compliments that I've ever seen people express and show isn't necessarily what they say, but it's like, man, you're still hanging out with that person even though they did that to you? That's love. First Peter, he said, first Peter, the apostle says this in 4.8, he says, most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Love covers a multitude of sins. Church, we're to be known by our love, not hung up on technicalities, not hung up on maybe what has happened in life, but saying, I'm going to move forward because I'm going to believe in love. This church right now, they are under strong influence from a Jewish legalistic side to a mystical side. And Paul is saying, you are doing great because one, you're staying connected, you're staying united because you are choosing love over everything else. Number three, we participate in a Jesus-centered community by doing this. We trust Jesus for the unanswered questions. We trust Jesus for the unanswered questions. From the beginning of time, People have been seeking answers for all sorts of questions, all sorts of mysteries. You know, like, hey, I I always ask, I'm like, I wish I could be a little taller. Or, hey, God, why couldn't I maybe have some of the wealth on my side? Or, God, why do bad things happen to good people? And a lot of these times when you look at these false teachers, false teachers, uh, they, they, they naturally cause division. But what Paul is saying right here is one thing that brings and binds everything together is Jesus. Sometimes Jesus doesn't give us the complete answer because we can't handle the complete end of the story. Sometimes in our faith, we have to say, I'm going to trust in Jesus. I'm going to rely in Jesus. I'm going to rely on his plan for my life and what he can do in my life to see me through, to build my faith, to build my character. If you remember in this last half of chapter one, we talked about this. The goal of every follower is to be a mature follower of Jesus. Character is built in circumstances. So if we have all the answers every time we ask, then God just becomes this genie in a bottle and we don't need faith. Colossians 2.2 says this in uh, the very last part. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan which is Christ himself. We live, and I mentioned it early, we live out in Babcock Ranch. We love, have been fortunate to um, uh, be out there. And, and one thing I find fascinating, you see it on the news all the time. I, I'm very big into this, that whenever we study God's word, how does it apply to our life daily? Uh, you see this thing called CRT, critical race theory, kind of hitting the news. Some of you are like, oh boy, where are we going, you know, depending on what news outlet you're in. Well, really it traces back to critical theory, which is basically stripping down the establishment to coming up with a theory that maybe works. Well, it's a theory, so you don't really know if theories work. 
Well, what's interesting is uh, there's a big alarm a while ago, and someone texted me today, and we're like, hey, it was in the, it was in the local news. And I, and I said, okay, yeah, that's fine, whatever, I'm used to it. Like, it's all over the news, can't really trust the news. Wherever you stand on the news, it's the news. And, I, and as I started looking and thinking about it, I, I started talking to my wife. You know, my sons, they are privileged. You know, they, they're, they're privileged, they live in a, a good home, they're with parents that love them more. And my daughter, they're, they're with parents that love them more than they would ever know. They've been blessed. But it's not because of the color of their skin. It's not because of what they've had happen to them. It's not because of maybe some of the activities they're involved in, but it's because in their family, their great-grandparents made a decision to follow Jesus. Their grandparents continued that legacy to follow Jesus. Their parents have continued to follow that legacy and follow Jesus. That's privilege. See, when we trust Jesus for the unanswered questions, what we're claiming is that Jesus is going to fill the void when we don't know. That's what it's about. And I think when we look at everything outside of culture or look outside these walls and cultures is, is just piling in and people are asking hard questions, my encouragement to you is this. Are you trusting Jesus for the answers? See, Paul says that's where it starts. Paul says stay together as a community because when you're in a community, you're trusting Jesus for the answers. When a bad thing happens to a member over here, then the other one can say, hey, it's okay. I'm gonna be here with you. I'm gonna go through these trying times with you. I'm gonna lift you up. See, deception is very easy to fall into whenever you're living life alone. That's why coming up at the turn of the year, you'll hear us some announcements in the next couple weeks talking about groups. We're looking for leaders to lead groups, kicking off 2022, because we value community here at Faith. See, whenever we look at Scripture, it is vital and so important to say, you know what, when we focus on Jesus, when we live in community, God's going to do things we can't even imagine, can't even fathom, and we know we can trust him even when the world gets crazy. So tonight I want to conclude, Pastor Seth's going to lead us in just a, uh, a moment of song to give you a moment to reflect. How active are you participating in your Jesus-centered community? Which ways do you need to encourage someone? Maybe you also need to look and say, hey, you know what, I've been struggling with some unanswered questions or maybe you need to look back at life or am I choosing unity? Or am I or I'm getting hung up on some technicalities? I want to encourage you this evening, no matter what you're going through, you can trust Jesus for the answers. You can rely on him. You can continue to allow him to lead you. So we're going to pray together as a church, because this is our prayer and worship night. And he's going to lead us in the closing song for a few moments, and Pastor Steve will come and close. But I want to encourage you this evening, no matter what you're going through, we're a church that's together and that's for you and for one another. Let's pray. Lord, we give you this time and we say thank you. Thank you for everything you've gone, uh, done in our lives. Thank you for everything you've seen us through. Thank you for what you will do. Lord, we pray that we continue to be a body that encourages one another. We pray that we continue to be a body that unites with one another, that always chooses love. And Lord, we always pray that when we don't have the answers, when we can't see the answers, when the questions are real, when the questions are hard, that we can trust 
you with the answer. And you'll reveal it in the right time, in the right moment. So Lord, be with us, encourage us for the best night of the week that we are so grateful that we are here to honor you, to worship you, to to be together as a church family and as a Jesus-centered community. In your great name, we all say, amen. Thank you for joining us for tonight's service. If you would like to talk with someone about what you've heard, please visit our website at faith.ag or call us at 239-543-2700. If you're in the Fort Myers area and don't already have a church home, you're invited to join us for Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. We also gather on Sunday mornings at 8.15 and 10.45 a.m. Faith Assembly is located at 7101 Bayshore Road. Join us again next time for Wednesday night at Faith Assembly. Faith Assembly's Wednesday night is a production of Faith Assembly Media Tech, North Fort Myers, Florida.